Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. This is a first emergency edition of the Peristyle Podcast because, well, it's 3.36 in the morning. I am in the Phoenix airport waiting for my 5.20 a.m. flight back to Los Angeles. And I thought we'd do a quick podcast here in the airport. Usually the airport ones are emergency podcasts for a reason because, of course, USC lost the game. That was not the case here in Tempe, Arizona. USC defeats Arizona State 48-17. to It was an utter beatdown. I don't think a lot of people expected that. I certainly did not. So we're going to talk about everything that went on in the game. We got some voicemail questions. We're going to try to answer those. We'll actually have uh, Harvey Hyde coming up a little bit later today talking about uh, the game too. But figured flying home, I got some time to kill before my flight gets here. We went right from the uh, press box to the the airport, Phoenix airport here, and my flight doesn't leave for another couple hours, so we thought we'd do a podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, as always, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text. The number is 424-254-9141. You can also subscribe uh, on iTunes, itunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. That's our dedicated URL. We're also on Stitcher and Audio Boom and Tune in radio and where else? Lots of places. Google Play. So lots of places you can get the podcast. We do appreciate everyone taking some time out of their day to listen. Um, this one will be posting very early, like I said, on Sunday morning. Okay, so uh, big, big stuff here with USC. Uh, overall thoughts. It's amazing how this team can look as bad as they did one week and as good as they look the next. Uh, obviously, looked really good. Arizona State had looked great. They were on an upward trajectory. And then, obviously, that ended uh, Saturday night in Tempe. Pac-12 after dark, for sure. The whole Pac-12, if you look at it, it's hard to put your finger on what each team, the identity of each team, because it does seem to change from week to week. If you watched you know, the, the Colorado game, they were terrible uh, most of the year. Steven Montez was bad. He comes in and lights it up. He looks like Joe Montana. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of Jekyll and Hyde's throughout the conference and, uh, seeing what Arizona State did to Washington and Utah, giving up a total of 17 points over those two games. Um, and then USC coming in there and rolling up 48 on them was crazy. There was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half that, that was called incomplete or they called complete, but down at the one. Everyone leaves the field. Players are in the locker room. We talked to everyone about this. They thought it was crazy. The the refs review it, and then they decided it is a touchdown. Arizona State gets out in the field, and they line up for it, like to kick an extra pointer. Obviously, you go for two. There was no defense there. And they send them off the field and wait for it. Someone sent uh, help to get USC back on the field. So it was kind of crazy. Um, just insane. It was just uh, – that was total Pac-12 ref moment. I don't remember ever seeing something like that where a team went to the locker room 
Um, so let's look at, I'm going to, we're going to answer some questions. I'm going to look at some of the stats too, just kind of going through it. So USC totally dominated as far as first downs go 29 uh, to 15, um, 341 net yards rushing for USC, 79 uh, for Arizona State. So huge, huge difference there. Now, Kalen Balaj only had one touch. He got a, a catch. Um, uh, Todd, Todd Graham afterwards said that he had some kind of stomach flu. So, uh, Arizona State's best running back, uh, wasn't able to go, uh, most of the way. So, so that was a big loss, but USC averaged 7.4 yards per rush, um, 2.6, uh, yards per rush from Arizona State. And now you can hear, like, uh, you can tell I'm in the airport because there's people announcing over the intercom. So, uh, passing. Actually, Arizona State uh, passed for more yards than USC, 278 uh, to, to USC's 266, but 607 yards of total offense for USC, uh, 81 plays, 7.5 average gain per play. Uh, Arizona State only had 357 yards on 61 plays, 5.9 uh, average yards per play. Only one turnover for USC, so that was pretty significant, and it was a fumble that didn't matter because it was fourth down anyway. Um Sam Darnold got sacked uh, three times uh, in the game. And uh, I actually saw uh, Jenny Harris come out and return a punt. Uh, so that was cool. They, they had they moved him back uh, too. But he had some other kind of maybe balls he shouldn't have caught that he did and fair catch of balls he shouldn't. But he came out and uh, had a nice punt return on the very first play. So uh, props to Jenny for that one. Um, USC ended up with uh, one interception. It was the pick six by Kelly Ross at the end of the game. Uh, so that was kind of a cool moment for when, when all the reserves were in there. USC dominated time of possession, 34 minutes, three seconds to 25, 57, uh, for Arizona state. So, uh, really just dominated the fourth quarter is where the majority of that came from. USC had it for 11 minutes, 11 seconds in the fourth quarter, third down conversions. This is a huge one. USC was seven to 15, pretty good. Just under 50%. Arizona State was one of 12, absolutely insane. Uh, USC was only one of three on fourth down, and ASU was one of two on uh, fourth down. So USC was only two of four in the red zone, but one of those came like in the garbage time at the end. Uh, six sacks for USC. We got a lot of pressure. It was nice to see Porter Gustin and Josh Fatu get in there. We'll talk about them uh, in a little bit too. Uh, USC hit a... Uh, over 50 yard field goal, but then missed a shorter one there. Um, so big numbers, Ronald Jones, 18 carries, 216 yards, two touchdowns, uh, receiving Tyler Vaughn's led the way six catches, 126 yards, two touchdowns, including a, a long of 42 and a dive into the end zone at the pylon, which was pretty special. So I talked to Vaughn's after the game, uh, his first hundred yard game. So he's, he's pretty happy. He's, uh, He's doing well. Yeah, so I, I mentioned the field goals. 51-yarder was good. He missed a 38-yarder, uh, Chase McGrath did, and then hit a 33-yarder uh, as well. Um, let's see, any other? Yeah, so Jada Harris had three punt returns. Uh, the, he had a log of 21, so that was the, the first one right out of the gate. Uh, so with uh, um, – Jalen uh, Balaj uh, not really doing anything in this game. Um, I'm sorry, Jalen. Kalen Balaj, my fault. Uh, Demario Richard really had the bulk of the carries for Arizona State. 15 carries for uh, 70 yards. Didn't have a touchdown. Um, so some interesting uh, stats there. I mean, USC 
as you would expect, dominated the stat sheet. Um, but it was nice to see, if you look on the defensive side, Porter Gustin. Uh, now, he didn't start, and neither did Josh Fatu, but both played. And you could tell Josh Fatu still looks bad from his uh, car accident. I saw him after the game. Um, yeah, I got he just got beat up a little bit, it looked like. So he had a big, I think it was like a, over his... His right, left, right or left eye, and, and it just looked like, yeah, I mean, it's, it looked like he had the car accident the other day, but obviously that wasn't. Um, Chen and Wusu leading the stat sheet, so he had eight tackles, three sacks all in a row. Um, so that was uh, a sack trick, as Keely Yor called it, um, sack after sack. Then there was like a penalty and then another sack, but three official plays in a row. So the whole series he took over. So uh, he had a pass breakup as well. Uh, Rasheem Green had three sacks. Also, uh, four, to- four total tackles. So, uh, pretty cool that he would get, you know, t- three of his four tackles were for sacks. And, uh, let's see who, uh, John Houston had a pass deflected almost. I talked to him afterwards. It should have been a pick six. So, um, Cameron Smith had seven tackles. Isaiah Langley got the start. Uh, he had six tackles. So I think he played pretty well but overall yeah it was a, a really interesting then you know, Kelly Ross didn't get to do much but he came in at the end and I had that 37 yard uh, pick six so he was pretty happy about that uh, Jack Jones didn't get a tackle but he did have a pass defense all right so just kind of wanted to go over some of the stats and stuff with you and then we want to get to some questions so let's jump in we have a, uh, a question here I think this was actually sent in before the game but I'll answer it Hi, this is Jerry calling from Orange County, and uh, I know we had a a tough game against Notre Dame, but if SC were to run the table, win the Pac-12 South and the Pac-12 championship, what do you think their chances of going to the Rose Bowl are? Thank you. Thanks for the question. Yeah, no, zero chance of going to the Rose Bowl because that's one of the semifinal games, but uh, it could be, I think it's... I forget what it, I think it's gonna be the, the Fiesta Bowl or something, but uh, yeah, no, I think USC's got a real shot now. It you know, looked down and out last week. Uh, now five and one in the Pac-12. Uh, got to you know beat Arizona. You beat Arizona next week. Uh, should be smooth sailing to get into the Pac-12 championship game, and then you got to beat whoever is coming there. But it, you know, just the Pac-12 right now, week to week, who knows? Like, can USC st- stop Khalil Tate? We talked to a couple of the Sarah players, defensive players like John Houston and Rasheem Green. You know, they had different things to say. Uh, Rasheem Green didn't really want to talk about it. Um, you know, some of the other players did. But that's going to be the whole talk this week is stopping Khalil Tate. The guy's a machine. He has 840 rushing yards in the month of October. No player, no college football player, not quarterback, any player in the last 10 years have done that. No one's rushed for 840 yards in October like Khalil Tate has. So, Pretty special there. All right, let's do another question. Yeah, this is John from Wisconsin. Um, I'm just kind of confused as to why I keep hearing all this talk about our second string should be able to beat Notre Dame and you know, beat this team and beat Washington State. Yeah, we're, we're a much better team, in my opinion, from top to bottom, but there's a difference between you know your starters who are getting first-team reps all year and then tossing, you know, guys in that, that, that don't have that that sort of experience. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Are you, are, are you on the same boat? I mean, do you think that our second string should be able to beat Notre Dame handily? I, I, I'm as disappointed as the next guy is 
funny as it sounds to see that how this, you know, after seeing this six and two season and the way these games have been playing out, but I, I, I just don't think that I necessarily agree that our second string should be able just to walk in there and, and, and dominate. Well, thanks for the question, and uh, no, I don't think that the USC second string should go in and dominate Notre Dame. Um, I don't think anyone said that. I certainly didn't say that. Now, there's been some injuries and some key injuries, but they should have been at least competitive in the game. To get blown out like that, I don't care how many injuries you have, um, that's not a second. That's not expecting the second string to dominate. That's expecting some second string guys to be able to perform and keep the team afloat, and the team just was not afloat. It was such a different um feeling out there and we talked to all the players they said they didn't do anything different uh in their preparation but it was completely two different uh teams two different um you know just effort levels they just they didn't look like they showed up at notre dame they obviously showed up against arizona state but no i don't think anyone's expect usc second string to come in and dominate games but you have guys you know guys that were highly ranked players if you develop them well they should be uh able to contribute uh, in the spots that they have to contribute um, so thanks for that question. Uh, we have a, this was a text question, I believe. It says, what's good, Ryan? Brian from Beham checking in. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This was an email question. Uh, Brian from Beham checking in. He's an SC fan in SEC country. Didn't you pick ASU to cover in this game? Yes, I did. My rule has been to always pick uh, USC's opponent to cover because coming into the game, USC was 1-7 against the spread. I broke my own rule against uh, Notre Dame, picked USC to cover. I was wrong. I picked ASU to cover this one. Uh, I was wrong again. So now USC is 2-7 and seven against the spread. So they've played good in two games, and uh, they've covered the spread both times. They, they played good against Stanford and good against Arizona State. He said, as a matter of fact, you picked them to win. SC hasn't been great all season, but one thing they continue to do is believe in themselves. Despite Fairweather fans such as yourself, um, <laughs> thank you. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a Fairweather fan. I'm an analyst of the team. I'm covering the team, and I'm telling you what I see. It's not being just telling you, oh, they're going to win every game. That's not that's not what my job is. Sorry, uh, Brian. Question. So, um, oh, he said a question for Coach Hyde, but I, I put this in our category. Would you take an underachieving team with a 7-2 record or 4-3 team that plays up for big games, which obviously is good enough for some people, Go Trojans. Um, interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I think underachieving seven and two. They're you know, they're they're in a position to win the Pac-12. I think you'd rather take that um, four and three playing up for big games. You know, if it, you ask a lot of USC fans, would they be happy uh, with a mediocre record? But you beat Notre Dame and uh, you beat UCLA. A lot of them would take that. I mean, start one and three. USC would take that all day long if you can win your next nine games and go to the Rose Bowl. So, um, yeah, interesting question there. But, yeah, uh, sorry, I wouldn't call myself a fair-weather fan since I'm an analyst on the team and I'm trying to tell you what I see in practice. I've been right most of the time. This one time, you know, USC covered, and they played really well. But that's been the exception and certainly not the rule, Brian, as as you know, if you watch this team at all. Um, it's just hard to, like, hey, I told Dan Weber before the game, I wouldn't be surprised if USC won by three touchdowns. I mean, you could totally see that happening, but you can't. I'm not going to predict it to happen because it was just it'd be just kind of random, and I think it kind of was. Now we'll see. Uh, is it right? You know, people thought they righted the ship against Stanford, and then they hadn't looked good really until the second half against Utah. So we'll see. Here's another voicemail question. Hey, Ryan, this is Jacob Mama. Just watching USC game, and Ronald Jones has busted a 60-yarder touchdown. Um, am I the only one who watches this game and realizes USC needs to run the ball? 
to set up their offense. I know we're still in the first half, but let's talk about this. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so running the ball to set up the offense. The, the, what USC actually did in this game is the opposite of that. The run was not working. USC came out and threw the ball. And what they did, we talked to some of the Clay Helton and some of the players, and what they saw was the way Arizona State was defending Washington and Utah. Um, there was guys up at the line of scrimmage. There was uh, like kind of a cover four situation. And what they wanted to do is get these passes that would go a little bit over the top. And Clay Helton said, Hey, even if we don't complete them, we want to extend the, the defense a little bit and push them back. And that was working. And I think the run game was not. They tried it early. Uh, the, you know, the initial drive, actually, Sam Darrow got sacked on the first play of the game, which was better than a fumble that led to a touchdown. But they ended up getting a first down. There's a couple of big plays like Tyler Vaughn's and Deontay Burnett. And then they moved forward uh, from there. But yeah, I thought they, they were using the pass actually to set up the run. And then they kind of softened things up. So, they saw something in the game plan of what Arizona State was doing, um, and that was their plan. They came out, and they executed it, and it worked really well. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure it was like it, they if they came out trying to run the ball, which they did at times, it just wasn't working. So I like their plan. I mean, they, they found a hole in the defense. They did what they could to extend it uh, using the pass game, and then everything kind of opened up. It sort of opened up the floodgates. But thanks for the question. Here's another one. This is Jay from Pomona. After Sam's seventh fumble of the season, isn't it safe to say that he should have been working with the running backs with the heavy ball? Thank you. We're still winning. Still feeling good, but too many fumbles this year. Right on. Hey, Jay, thanks for the question. Uh, yeah, it's another fumble. So coming into the game, Sam Darnold had more personal turnovers than I believe was 108 teams. Now we'll see what happens after this week, but he added one more. Now, it was pretty much a garbage turnover because – it was a sack fumble, but it was on fourth down, so it didn't really matter. They were going to, you know, Arizona State was going to get the ball anyway. But, yeah, it's just another fumble. It just adds to that total. Now, he didn't throw a pick, which was good, and the, you know, and the fumble was, like I said, sort of meaningless because US, it was a fourth down situation anyway. We had some tweets, and uh, our buddy David Woods, who, you know, works for Bro, and we do the podcast of champions, he's convinced Darnold has small hands, so he wants to see what his hands um, measure out to uh, when he has the combine. But I don't know about that. I have no idea how big his hands are. Uh, that's just something David's been kind of tweeting a lot. But someone posted on our message board and stuff too. Um, I would like to see the quarterbacks and maybe other position players, if you have to, what it's been the quarterback spot that's had a problem, do some of the drills that Dylan McCullough, the running back coach, uh, incorporates, the, the ball security drills, the ball that's, uh, there's like water in the ball. Or there's a ball with a string tied to it that you're getting yanked out and stuff like that. Um, they're they're pretty cool drills. So uh, I think that would be a good um, you know a good drill for some of the quarterbacks to do. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen them go through that. They do some other things, but I think that's one that really works. We haven't really seen the running backs fumble. I don't I don't know how many fumbles in the year. I don't think there's you know like one or two. Maybe I I don't think there's very much. Maybe there's none. Um, I'd have to go and look, but the, uh, yeah, that, so Dylan McCullough, I think is doing a great job, um, with that. Oh, speaking of the running backs, uh, so, um, Vivai Malpiai, so he ended up, uh, uh, getting hurt at the end. So Clay Hilton said he had a knee injury and then James Toland, uh, the, the walk-on running back, he had a shoulder injury. So those guys got banged up uh, a little bit. All right. We got, uh, one more voicemail question here we go 
Hey, Ryan, how are you? This is uh, Don from the East Coast. Uh, this message is for uh, you and uh, Dan Weber. Uh, hey, hey, guys, I just want to say this is probably the most complete game outside of Stanford. I want to say I've seen the Trojans play. Um, you guys were there at practice. I don't know how great it was at practice. I know it was kind of low-key, but still, for a performance like this after last week was huge, and it was huge for Clay Helton. What I love more than anything, though, is the balance. But what I most 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 loved is the fact that they were able to get the young guys in. You see some guys making some good plays. You seen five running the ball strong. You seen some guys come out like Jody Lewis got a catch. You seen Tyler Bones, of course, come out. But you saw guys like Bubba Bolden get on the field and make a couple of big hits. You know that that's the future for SC right there. And those guys, to me, have to play more. They have to play in order for this team to truly, truly be great this year, to win the Pac-12 and possibly go on to the Fiesta Bowl or Rose Bowl or however they end up. But, you know, I just want to see how you guys felt about that and uh, fight on. Great win. Thanks for the question, Don. And uh, Dan's not here. He's actually driving back with shotgun back to L.A., but I'll do my best answer. Yeah, I thought, and I think Clay Helton said this in the press conference, it was the most complete, um, you know, win that they had. Uh, really the best they played since the Stanford game. I, you know, like I said before, I think they played great in two games. One was Stanford and one was Arizona State. Now in this game, you're talking about an Arizona State team that was red hot. The defense was playing lights out. I mean, they were, you know, I think they were averaging, um, on defense, giving up like it was around, I think it was 3.9 yards per play or something like that. It was around four yards per play. Um, and, uh, you know, USC comes in there. And gets seven and a half yards for play. So, I mean, really just absolutely crushing it. Um, this Arizona State defense had been playing lights out and they were, they were, but they were bad. Like the Arizona State defense was bad, giving up 30 points a game. And then they come in and, and shock the world with, you know, holding Washington to seven. Uh, they really throttle Utah, holding them to 10. And then, you know, USC comes rolling in or limping in, uh, after really struggling on the road and, um, you know, you got to give these guys credit, but they, they came out and they just played well. Now, I, if you want to look at the young guys getting in, certainly I think that helped. Uh, you got to see some more Matt Fink. There was a, we knew, you know, you knew he was going to have a keeper. He did a really good job with that. Uh, Sam Darnold had a really nice keeper too. It's funny. You looked at the wide receivers that were in this play. Uh, they put in, um, Trayvon Sidney and Joseph Lewis and Randall Grimes. And there was one other guy. It might have been Daniel Mitterbebe. It was like four wides. And you look, I'm looking at the binoculars from uh, the press box. And I'm like, okay, this is guaranteed to be a run. Tell dad. And of course, you know, it was a run. Um, and he took off and ran. It was a really nice one too. Uh, Sam Darnold did a great job. Um, but yeah, so I, I think getting the young guys in was big. We got to see some Vavai, but unfortunately he hurt his knee. I'm not really sure what to expect there. Um, you know, and, and a guy like Brandon Peely, I thought did really, really well. Um, you know, First start last week, I think he did great. I think, uh, like an Isaiah Langley, he got the start for Iman Marshall. He felt really good uh, about his game and, and what he was doing. Jack Jones, uh, you know, he was on the kill Harry pretty much all night and uh, locked him up, locked him up good. You know, Harry only had three catches on the day. Uh, but, you know, seeing guys get in late. Um, and then I think really the addition, you know, Porter Gustin and Josh Fatu, the fact that they could come in there, they didn't start. Um, but they were, they were worked in there. Uh, you see, Porter Gustin didn't get a sack, but he at least got an assist or two because 
he would get his hands on the quarterback and, and you know, went right into Rasheem Green. Stuff like that was happening. I thought he did a really good job of generating some pressure. Um, you know, John Houston, I mentioned, like, you know, he, he'd been criticized a bunch before, got his hands on a ball, could have been a pick six. Uh, I thought that was a really good play, but there was some, I thought over, you know, just a, a, the effort level, the, it just looked like a team that was together and they didn't do much different or anything different. You know, we just talked to the players and they just felt like they kept shooting themselves in the foot last week. And, you know, sometimes it's just, that's the way it goes. You don't want to see that kind of domination on all three phases, but it really did. They just kind of ran into a buzzsaw and no one really kind of stepped up and tried to uh, stop the bleeding. It just kept, it just kept getting worse and worse. So, um, it wasn't that way. You know, it could have started that way in Tempe, you know, packed off after dark. Sam Darnold sacked on the first play. And you're like, oh, this is, here you go again. And But they, they recovered. They bounced back. And I thought they played um, really well. So it was it was certainly, I mean, it just, it can be baffling at times when you look at this team. Why is the discrepancy so large? Like, why can the, the worst you play and the best you play be so vastly different um now Notre Dame's looking like a pretty good team still and uh they throttled North Carolina State uh on Saturday so uh, another ranked team uh their, their matchup with Stanford will be interesting their matchup with an undefeated Miami will be interesting but that looks like a good team and you know I I, I really wasn't into the excuses of oh they're good and they had the bye week and they had no class I think those were all kind of contributing factors but not like shouldn't be contributing like a 35 point loss sort of thing. Um, but you know, I think they all did factor it. And I think getting a boots from Gustin, uh, you know, not having Christian Rector was certainly uh, a bit of a blow. Um, but I thought they, they handled it well, having Porter Gustin available. Jordan ISF, I thought came in and, and did a pretty nice job. Um, you know, overall it just, you know, scheme wise, it just seemed like everyone was on the same page that I think the offensive line, uh, played a lot better. They seemed like a cohesive unit, and that was something that, you know, if you listen to, if you watch Shotgun's video uh, up on our site, he put up on Saturday uh, what Neil Calloway said during the week. I mean, it was pretty brutal. He just didn't want to answer any questions because the offensive line was playing bad, and uh, he just walked away. So we put that video up. You can kind of check it out. Didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game, but I think he would be a lot. Uh, happier uh, from what he saw. And I think, you know, uh, Shotgun talked to Clancy Pendergast. He looked pretty happy. But one thing to just let everyone know. So we will have uh, Harvey Hyde coming up uh, really later today. Um, so he'll be, we'll have a show with him later on in the afternoon. We'll start gathering, you know, getting all the questions that you guys sent in. Um, and then we have tons of content going up on the site. But, you know, it's Right now it's 4 a.m. as I'm taping this. Uh, but, you know, I put up a interview with Porter Gustin, a uh, video interview that went up there. We have instant analysis up there. Uh, Chris Trevito put up the rapid reaction. We put up his post-game press conference. We put up a video of uh, the celebration on the field. A um, bunch of stories coming up. We talked to Rasheem Green and John Houston and Isaiah Langley and uh, Tyler Vaughn's. You know, Keeley got Tyler Vaughn's and... Uh, Sam Darnold in a one-on-one interview, so we'll get all that stuff up too. Dan Weber's got his game story up, and Shotgun will have more stuff. So we have lots and lots of uh, content going up on the site, and we'll do uh, several podcasts like we always do. But this was, since we had some time in the airport, figured we'll just do uh, 
a reverse emergency, <laughs> a reverse emergency podcast in the Phoenix airport. I think the last airport one I did was last year um, at Alabama or well at, in Dallas uh, for the Alabama game. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Just give you guys like a sort of rapid reaction to what I saw and uh, you know what we heard and stuff after the game. It was uh, certainly Pac-12 after dark. Uh, unexpected that that kind of a blowout win, but a really big one uh, for USC. Five and one in the conference. Uh, you know, atop the Pac-12 South. Arizona won two. They look really good. That matchup uh, is going to be spectacular. Homecoming. We don't know the time as of taping this at four in the morning. We don't know the time of that broadcast, but it doesn't look like it's going to be the dreaded 12:30 for homecoming, where no one has any time to tailgate. So they should be a later one. Um, and you know, even Desmond Howard tweeted that maybe it'd be a game day matchup. I haven't looked at the other, uh, um, games there, but they had been out to the West coast. Um, it would be interesting to see Khalil Tate. He's a hot hand and, and USC getting, looks like they could get hot again. So, um, that'll all be interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, non-emergency reverse emergency edition of the parastyle podcast be back later on with uh, coach harvey hyde make sure you check out uscfootball.com for lots more thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time you've been listening to the parastyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on trojan football and recruiting Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.